Hi, I'm Gail. And hi, I'm Catherine. Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. Please visit womenover70.com and consider joining Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund. So we may contribute, continue to inspire women to age with curiosity, courage, and creativity. Members enjoy monthly programming and probing discussions. So we hope to see you there. And today we're excited to have Esther Gandika. Life is full of surprises, and Esther Gandika is full of resilience. Born in Athens, Greece, Esther came to the United States in 1967 on a Fulbright College scholarship. Her roommate's parents took care of her, and she studied chemistry and conducted research and medical testing on thyroid disease. Married in 1972, she has two daughters, both physicians. Her daughter, Regina, is my oncologist, and she referred her mother to us. After a 10-year break to raise her children, Esther went back to school for an accounting degree and a teacher's certificate and taught at Atlantic Cape Community College for 25 years. She speaks five languages. Now retired, Esther lives in New York City and helps out with her other daughter and endocrinologist children. When her husband had a small stroke during the pandemic, Esther had to adjust herself to a new way of living. So let's start here, Esther. Welcome to Women Over 70. What do you mean when you say adjust yourself? And, and what's different for you and your husband after the stroke? Yeah, it all happened during the pandemic in uh, in this state of not knowing exactly what we were doing, where we were going. So my husband was um, extremely vivacious and always wanted to go places. Uh, he went to the gym every single day. He went on walks and uh, he was the first one to always say, oh, there is a new exhibit exhibit at the Met. Let's go. I remember one time we took the bus from here and we went to Port Authority. You did say I live in New York City. I live really in the New York City area. We are in North Jersey, right across the GW if I look for Target, it gives me targets in Manhattan instead of Target addresses in New Jersey. It's literally about three miles away. So a lot of people say, oh, you really live in a little area outside of uh, New York City, which indeed it's true. So we used to take the bus. We would go to Port Authority. I remember actually walking from Port Authority, which is around 42nd Street, all the way, and that's on 8th Avenue, all the way to 5th Avenue and up almost to 80th Street where the Met is. So walking and going places, it was the norm, which is not the norm anymore. So slowly, and uh, the difference was not really apparent early on, we didn't even know my husband had a little stroke at the time. But slowly, slowly, his gait, his walking is much, it's very difficult right now. It's different than what it was. So that is my adjustment 
to that situation. But at the same time, I decided that I cannot stop. I need to do what I have always done, and I go. <laughs> well, you, you went in another way when you were a lot younger, right? You, you left your country and your family, and you came to the United States. Yeah. yeah yes. Um, and uh, I can give you a little background of uh, my family, which that in itself is very interesting. So I was born in 1949. My parents, uh, I think, married around 1945, right? 1946 or 47. I shouldn't say 45. So it was right after the war. Uh, both my parents' families lived in Salonika in Greece. And I'm somewhat amazed that a lot of American people in general, and I guess in particular, American Jews do not know the impact that Salonika had for the Jews in general in Greece. It was considered at the time early 1900s, it was the European city with the most Jewish population of any other city in Europe. And I guess I could say the world, maybe outside of Israel, maybe. Um, there were over 60,000 Jews at the time in Salonika. And um, so my family was in that um, in that environment since I don't even know we don't really know how far back we go, but through the Inquisition and settling around the Mediterranean, we are Sephardic Jews. My family always spoke Ladino. Uh, my grandmother, as I was growing up, grew up with us. She and my mother would always speak Latino at home, which is a form of archaic Spanish. Um, my husband kind of says it's the Spanish of Cervantes, maybe. But really, if you know Latino, you pretty much know Spanish as well. So uh, after the war, and I'm not really going to go in depth in it, but my father's family pretty much disappeared. My mom's family was most of my family. My mom's family actually survived hiding. So after the war, you are in this situation where you are, you don't really know how you exist. So, um, I did say to you, Gail, at some point, I lived a very sheltered life, which indeed it's very true because um, it was always my parents, my immediate family, immediate friends. Um, a lot of people's, I mean, we lived in Greece, but most of the time I heard Ladino in my, in my ears, or I even heard French because a lot of my mom's friends would speak French. Um, my dad's family also would speak French. He went to a French school, but that was the way he grew up. And of course, everything changed after the war. 
And so how is it that you came to the United States? Yeah, so I went to a private girls' school. There was another Jewish girl in my class. After uh, high school, I applied for uh, a scholarship, a Fulbright scholarship, never really thinking I was going to get it. I was going to go to the university. And one interview after the other, I was getting, oh, you are invited back. Oh, you're invited back. So I did receive it. And then it was, do I really do it? And my family was very forward looking and they said, oh, absolutely, you go. So that's how it was at the age of 18. I stopped at my uncle's house in Milan because he lived there. And then I came to the United States, to New York, and then to Pittsburgh, where there was an orientation program. So what was your Fulbright in? What was your uh, what did I study? I studied chemistry, actually. It was mostly sciences. I was more math and sciences than otherwise, but that's what I did. Okay. And what, uni- what university were you? Yeah, so I went to West Virginia, not West Virginia University. I went to Davis and Elkins College. So what you said, and in a way I said, a sheltered life growing up. I had a very sheltered uh, four years of college as well because it was a small college in these beautiful hills of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And my roommate happened to be and still is one of my best friends. And her family was absolutely wonderful to me. So I went from one sheltered (laughs) environment to another in a way, uh, because it was really wonderful growing up with my roommate, with her family. Sometimes she wouldn't even go home and I would go to her parents' house. (laughs) And um, yeah, it uh, it was really wonderful. Now, during that time, my husband was at Pittsburgh, and uh, we kept in touch that way. We actually met uh, in Pittsburgh when we did that orientation program. (laughs) So another good reason to have come here. (laughs) (laughs) So you you seem to have had two distinct careers. Yeah. Yeah, my (laughs) pre-kids and post-kids. So at the beginning, chemistry, and uh, we were in Pittsburgh for a while. I did research and uh, chemical testing with, I worked alongside a doctor at Shadyside Hospital in Pittsburgh, who he used to do thyroid diseases. And uh, we started creating certain type of testing. Everything we did at the time manually and weighing different agents. Now it's, of course, done all through a kit where you simply add a couple of drops of blood and there is the answer. But that was the beginning. And then when we went to South Jersey, my husband was teaching at Stockton College, Richard Stockton University today. Um, 
I started working at the lab of Atlantic City Hospital, pretty much doing the same thing, doing special chemistry testing. And I was there for about four years, four and a half years until the kids were born. And then because really we had no family nearby, I thought the best thing for me to do is to stop and then consider going back at some point. And maybe at that time, uh, mid-70s, that was the norm. A lot of women would stop some of the careers and then they would go back to them later on. My career was reimagined because <laughs> I was home, but then I decided to use that time to go back to school. So I was lucky enough, Richard uh, Stockton College at the time, university now, was nearby, was about 20 minutes away from where we lived. And uh, I started taking business courses and I ended up with a degree in um, uh, accounting primarily. And then about uh, maybe eight, nine years, I decided maybe I'll do something with it. And I started teaching part-time at Atlantic Cape Community College. And then once uh, the part-time position became full-time, I got a master's in instructional technology. Always mm -hmm. along the way, I started teaching a little bit and finding out that I really, I was good at it. And I really enjoyed that challenge of being able to impart information and seeing the results of uh, students and adults. In this case, Atlantic Cape Community College, I was dealing with adults and I was in the continuing education department. Mm -hmm. Were you teaching accounting? or I was teaching a little bit accounting. Um, I was doing business courses and uh, I was dealing with clients in the corporate uh, mm -hmm. environment. Mm -hmm. So we were doing a lot of training in that way. Okay. Yeah. And, and so did you enjoy those years? I enjoyed those years. The, are we talking about the years that I was home? And I enjoyed those years immensely because it was a little bit of kids and growing up with the kids and creating a life. I was telling my daughter the other day that life goes by so quickly. The first <laughs> five years when they were small, it seemed to take forever. And now from 10 to 15, for instance, it goes by so quickly. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it immensely. And uh, I like the idea of learning new things and uh, this idea of perpetual student. Uh, <laughs> I like that as well. <laughs> yes, I think you, you really do enjoy your life. That, that's the sense that I got when I was talking with you. And so you, you, you said that you spoke five languages. Yeah. Yeah. And so if there is uh, a little tip on that, learn them before you're 12 years old. So <laughs> I think I learned all five by the age of 10, maybe. And I kind of alluded to the fact that my grandmother, whether we liked it or not, would speak Ladino to us, Spanish. I uh, 
throughout school, I did English and French. And then after school, I did French more in depth than English, but it was rigorous English uh, at my school. Then my uncle, my mom's uh, brother, lives uh, lived in uh, Milan, and we would go there in the summertime. So through infusion, although you don't really speak it, you hear it all the time and you learn Italian. So there are my, and of course, Greek. So there are my five languages. My mom would probably spoke six because um, she spent 20 years in Austria. My grandfather, when she was a baby, went to Vienna for business. And then they were lucky enough, they were still Greek citizens. They wore the Greek flag on their arm as a patch, and they were able to live, to leave Austria and go back to Greece and this way survive what could have mm. been a bad situation there. Mm -hmm. But of course, 20 years she lived in Austria, so she spoke German fluently, but she never spoke it at home. Did you do anything with those languages? Did you, or did you just use them with, with people you knew? Yeah, I always used to say, I'm going to become a translator <laughs> of some sort. Um, no, I didn't. But right now, I am uh, once a week, I go to my neighborhood library and there is a conversation group and we all speak French. We walk in and we start speaking French. Some are better than others, but it's really wonderful because it provides uh, a venue to practice the language and also it fosters new relationships and friendships and so on. Um, you said, Gail said that you're retired now. So what else, how, how else are you engaged? What are you engaged in besides the, the language group? Yeah, uh, so we came up here. I worked until about 69, I was 69 when I retired. And we came to the Northern uh, New Jersey area that, in itself, it was a little bit of a shock because I used to say in South Jersey, we had traffic, not knowing the traffic where <laughs> I am now is really cannot even be compared. But um, and then the pandemic hit a mm -hmm. year just when I was getting acclimated in this area, mm -hmm. pandemic hit and we were in for over two years, pretty much. Um, but. Uh, I um, I now am, I, I believe in fitness. I have now joined a pickleball club. Um, I'm actually today going for a pickleball lessons. I do Pilates, I always did. I do it now. I used to do it on Zoom and I did a Zoom exercise. I would go to the to the gym, I have not rejoined the gym yet, but I continue my exercises. So fitness is mm -hmm. uh, something that really keeps me going and takes up some time. I am uh, in a little book club as well. So I'm doing that, I'm reading some books. I enjoy cooking. <laughs> I uh, My daughter comes with her family every Friday and we cook and uh, I have been making a challah now, 
something that I never did before. I didn't really bake. Now I bake. Um, I go for walks. I like to travel. I'm lucky enough to have relatives around the world, so I go mm-hmm. to see them. Um, <laughs> I also have a part-time dog right now because my daughter has a dog. And every Monday and Friday, I go and pick up the dog, and we have a great time together. Another reason to go on a different type of walk than I did before. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is really what keeps me now going. And uh, I try to keep up friendships in a way that I never did before. While I was working, I was extremely busy the mm-hmm. last probably six, seven years. While I was at the college, I was extremely busy. And I wasn't quite sure how the retirement was going to work for me from being so busy to this. But uh, it became a completely new environment for me. I left one area and went to another. And I decided I was going to make sure that I would continue friendships and make new ones. Mm -hmm. And so far, it's working. Esther, is your husband still alive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And so you, but now and, she, yeah. he's extremely impaired. Okay, with his ability walking, his gait mm-hmm. is really not good, and his balance is not really that good. So you you are living with him and a parallel life. It sounds like doing your it's, own thing. Very, very true. We go on drives. We take the car and we go on drives. But he really wants to go someplace. He's very limited as to the mm-hmm. distance that he will be able to cover mm-hmm. walking. And unfortunately, as I was saying, we're all going to Greece this summer, but he's not going to be able to come. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and and you, uh, you spend some time with your grandchildren. A lot of time with my grandchildren. Um, it's really a blessing in, uh, in a way because... Uh, they teach me <laughs> and I teach them. They show me all these little technology tricks. Uh, they share their music with me. Mm-hmm. My little 11 year old was sharing his playlist with me. Um, it's wonderful. And uh, we are very close. I mean, both um, distant wise and otherwise with my daughter who lives here. So she would call and she would say, I cannot pick up uh, Jake from uh, whatever, from practice. Can you go and do it? And I drive every place. Um, So, yeah, it's wonderful to be able to do that. I spend a lot of time with them, actually. (laughs) So you've had so many different experiences that I wonder, what, what would you tell your younger self about life as you as you have lived it? Yeah, you know, you said to me, think about aging. And uh, until you actually said it to me, Gail, I had never really thought about that. What is aging? Because I can still do everything that I was doing before. There is nothing that I can actually say. I cannot do this anymore. I can do it. Um. So, and I thought a little bit about aging and what would I tell myself to kind of do maybe in five or 10 years from now. Um, One thing that I try 
to do is not to fall into patterns. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have habits. I'm used to doing this, therefore I cannot change and do it any different way. I want to be very fluid and go with the flow, as they say, <laughs> because uh, that's what it is. When we are younger, we are so eager to change and do different things. And when we get older, we become a little bit more entrenched in what we used to do and we don't see things otherwise. So this is one area that kind of thought about that idea when you posed that question. And the other thing was, I want to be fast in what I do. I don't want to be slow uh, (laughs) because sometimes we say, oh, the other day my grandson said something like, oh, you know, she, she drives this lady yeah, yeah, you drive like that sometimes. Oh, I'm getting to be slow. And that is that one area. When I walk, I walk fast. When I do things, I say sometimes I don't have that much patience, which is very true when I did, when I was maybe younger, younger. But uh, that is the only thing about aging that so far, I guess I'm lucky enough I can get on the floor, get off the floor <laughs> easily. I can do my whatever exercises that I used to do before. So that physically there is no difference. Mentally, I'm not sure there is, although every so often I may forget something and say, oh, my God, I'm starting to forget, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. You're inspiring me to get back into Pilates. You I know, away from it too long. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, a friend of ours, we used to go and do Pilates together. He, he used to say, this is the best thing we are doing for ourselves for the future, mm-hmm. which is maybe true. But, uh, yeah, we keep our muscles going, and that's a big thing. When when you t- say slow, you don't want to be slow. You want to be fast. It's, yeah. What are you uh, associating slow with? Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting you say that because when my mom and my mother was absolutely wonderful, but I remember when she was getting a little bit older, getting in the car and getting out of the car, mm-hmm. it would take a little longer. And this is something that is in my mind a little bit. Do it. Don't mm-hmm. hesitate. Just go ahead and go with it. Do it. (laughs) I think that's a a good place to end. (laughs) Just, just do it. Catherine, did you have another question before we? Uh, No, no, I don't. This has just been delightful, Esther. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, um, and listeners, thank you for your loyalty because of you, our numbers are growing all across the country and overseas. And this is a good thing. But still, we need more subscribers and reviews on Apple Play and YouTube. So support women over 70 and let your voice be heard. Help us change the conversation about aging. Thank you. 